0: Psalms chapter 19. I guess I should turn there as well. Alright, Psalms 19. And I'll begin reading in the seventh verse. God's word says, The law of the Lord is perfect, conver- converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold. yea than much fine gold, sweeter also than honey and comb. Moreover, by them is thy servant warned, and in keeping of them there is great reward. Who can understand his errors? Thou me from secret faults. Keep back thy servant also from presumptuous sins. Let them not have dominion over me. Then shall I be upright and I shall be innocent from the great transgression. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight. O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. Let's pray. Father, again, we do thank you and we praise you and we honor you that you are our strength and our, our redeemer, and you're our Lord. Father, we just thank you for that, and We thank you that you've given us your will and the the law and your commandments for our lives. And Father, we thank you that you've empowered us by your Holy Spirit to live by those things. And Father, we thank you most of all that you've provided the sacrifice that we could not provide for ourselves for our sin. And we thank you for Jesus, our Christ, who has died for our sins. Father, we thank you. And we praise you. And, Father, we want to worship you today. And we ask that you would be glorified and honored in everything that we do, in the singing and the reading of your word, and the preaching of your word, and the singing of your word. Father, we just thank you and we praise you for all that you do. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, please remain standing for our first song.
1: Good morning, Everglades. Uh, If you'll take your bulletins or find somebody that has Mm -hmm. one, um, we're going to start by praising the Lord with Psalm 93. After that, we'll sing Amazing Grace. It is for amazing.
2: Good morning. You may be seated. We're going to combine our missions moment and pastoral prayer time this morning. And I wanted to talk to you a little bit about our biblical counseling uh, ministry that we have through the life of our church. You may wonder, well, what is biblical counseling? This is from uh, Faith Lafayette, uh, their church, their biblical counseling center up in Indiana. Biblical counseling is a process where the Bible is related to an individual, uh, a person or persons that they're struggling with uh, their own personal sin, or just difficulties, afflictions, adversities in the broken world that we live in, praying that there would be genuine change in the inner person for the glory and the praise of God and for their spiritual good. So here in the life of Everglades, we have blessed to have a counseling ministry for over 15 years now. Hundreds of people have been helped through the love and truth of Jesus Christ. Whether it's been you know, marriage counseling, uh, parenting, struggling with grief, ag- addictions, depression, worry, anxiety, and the list goes on and on, right? There's so many things that we struggle with. Uh, in our lives so our heart's desire has been and is to minister the love and truth the gospel of jesus christ to a lost and dying world so thinking about our own families thinking about our church family thinking about our community thinking about africa what does it look like uh, to counsel people from the word of god so as a church we believe that the greatest counselor is god There's no greater counselor than God. We we believe that the greatest counseling resource would be the Bible, that God's word is sufficient, and that we, as his people, are commanded to love uh, people where they're at and to point them to Christ, to disciple them, to counsel them. 2 Peter 1.3 says, His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to to life and godliness. I'll read that again. His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness, so no matter what you may be going through, God, his word, his grace, his truth, his spirit, spirit is sufficient to help you. Romans 15:14 says the apostle Paul speaking to the believers there at Rome I myself am satisfied about you, my brothers, that you yourselves are full of goodness, that they were filled with the goodness of Jesus. You are filled with all knowledge. They had the knowledge of Jesus. And you are able, you are able to instruct one another. God equips us for the task at hand. Now, how can we you be a part of this biblical counseling ministry well there's several ways number one we always need prayer warriors so if you haven't been praying for our biblical counseling ministry i would encourage you to start if you need specific things uh, that you could pray come talk to me if you have things that you would like for us to be praying about let us know we have counseling resources at the well each and every week. So all the little books that are set up over there, they're wonderful little resources. I was reading through one this week on forgiveness. You know, how, how are we forgiven before the Lord? How do we extend forgiveness to other people? Uh, those are only $1. So that just kind of goes to help us buy more uh, of those resources. So those are available. They're also at the Big Lake office. On Monday nights, uh, we've been taking part in some counseling training. Uh, currently in the fall, we're trying to keep it a little more infor- informal, where the folks that have been a part of our counseling team are out and about uh, sharing the love and truth of Jesus uh, in different contexts, in different situations. Uh, if you or someone you know is in need uh, of counseling, let us know. Uh, so every Monday night from 5 to 8, there's typically someone there at the Big Lake office uh, if you would like to be trained, equipped, if you have questions about anything, let us know. I surely don't mind trying to get a resource into your hands or having those conversations with you. Another cool opportunity in our community is through the Open Hands Health Center. Uh, Stacy Pasquarella has been working on a whole health life coaching uh, ministry. And there's a lot to it. I don't have time to explain all of it today. But basically, she is counseling, coaching women in the areas of physical health, uh, active living, spiritual health, so their walk with the Lord, their relationship with God, their relationship with others, finances, pretty much any sphere or area of life that you can think of. Uh, She's been praying and thinking through that. And so Open Hands uh, is there uh, as a ministry, uh, specifically uh, with women, uh, to help. Uh, in those areas. So if you're interested in that, you could talk to uh, Stacy Pascarella. Long term, here's something you can be praying about. how awesome would it be for our church to be able to provide free biblical counseling every single week for our church family, for sister churches and for our community. and then to train and equip men and women to go to the ends of the earth, knowing how to take God's word and share it with people to encourage them, to strengthen them in the faith or to point them faith in Christ. So pray that God would give us you know, more opportunities and that we would be found faithful in that. Last thing that I'll say, don't let the, the term or the words "lean" scare you. Uh, I think in our, our world, our culture, our context, we, we think counseling and we have this image in our mind oh, well i could never do that you know it's not you know back in the the late 1900s of someone laying down on the couch and you know somebody's just kind of listening and they're that that's not what we're talking about okay it's life on life ministry because by the way every single one of us we give counsel to people every day you're giving counsel it's just whether is it good biblical counseling. Or not. Like when people say to us, just follow your heart or believe in yourself, that is counsel. Is that good biblical counsel? No, it's not. Because Jesus tells us to deny ourselves, to pick up our cross daily, to die to ourselves, and to follow Him. So let's pray. That we as a church would continue to grow, you know that God would sanctify us, we would have a heart to live out the word in our homes and with one another, and that we would all lock arms together. Uh, so whether you're doing formal counseling or it's more of informal, of just conversations over a cup of coffee, there are plenty of opportunities for us to share the gospel uh, with others. So let's pray together. Lord, we thank you that you are the great counselor. Even the passage that Pastor Jim read this morning, that God, your word, your all is perfect, and it revives the soul. God, we are dead in our trespasses and sins, but we are made alive through the gospel of Jesus. And what a great opportunity we have before us To be able to share the words of life, the gospel with men and boys and girls in the context that you've placed us in, trusting God that you would bring dead hearts to life. And then we know from that verse that your word, it's sure, it's a sure foundation and it makes wise the simple. God, we all have areas in our life where we need to grow in our understanding of the gospel and how to live it out. And so, Father, continue to give us a heart and a hunger and a desire for your word, not just for ourselves, but to then live that out with our, in our marriages and our families and our church family and the opportunities that you give us. Father, would you help us to continue to be a church Where the gospel goes forth, where Christ is exalted, not just on Sunday mornings of the preaching of your word, but as the book of Acts says that we are going house to house and we're having gospel conversations. We're praying with one another. We're ministering to our co-workers, our sports teams, whatever it may be that we're pointing them to Christ. We love you, Lord. And now as we move forward in our service, we ask that we would worship you through giving. We would worship you through singing. And we would worship you now as we read your word together. And it's in the name of Christ that we pray. Amen. All right, we're going to all stand now for our scripture reading. You guys will turn to Matthew 13.
3: going to be in Matthew 13, verses 1 through 58. Have you understood all these things? And they said to him, Yes. And he said to them, Therefore, every scribe who has been trained for the kingdom of heaven is like a master of the house, who brings out of his treasure what is new and what is old. And when Jesus had finished these parables, he went away from there. And coming to his hometown, he taught them in their synagogue, so that they were astonished, and said, Where did this man get this wisdom and these mighty works? Is this not the carpenter's son? Is not his mother called Mary? And are not his brothers James and Joseph and Simon and Judas? And are not all his sisters with us? Where then did this man get all these things? And they took offense at him. But Jesus said to them, a prophet is not without honor except in his hometown and in his own household. And he did not do many mighty works there because of their unbelief. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this uh, word, um, your scripture reading, and we just pray that we'll um, apply it to our hearts, apply it to our lives, um, pray for this service, pray for uh, Stephen as he brings the message um, that you'll... Uh, Give, give us ears to hear and give him the words to say. And just be with us, bless us, and help us in everything we do to give honor and glory to you. It's in Jesus' name, amen.
1: Please sing with us, he leadeth me. Wow!
4: Everybody's awake now. Thanks for waking them up, Camillo. I appreciate that. All right. Good morning, Everglades. If you all would go ahead and uh, get out your Bibles, turn in your Bibles to the book of James. Uh, last time I had the opportunity to preach here, I was able to preach through James chapter one, one through eighteen. I'm just going to pick up with verse nineteen, and hopefully we'll get through verse twenty-two. So you can go ahead and turn Bibles there right now. It really is. Uh, it's a privilege to be here with you all this morning. And just as I'm, I'm sitting back there, um, largely due to the rambunctious nature of my children, we we sit in the back, not just simply because we're Baptists, but trying to be uh, mindful. But it, it's a it's a neat vantage point to be able to sit and look out and just see the body of Christ and what What always surprises me and brings me great joy is just to see how our church family's growing. And you really can't put any words to that other than God doing a work in the heart of His people, because the reality is, uh, as most of us know, it's it's not best case scenario to be um, sitting outside at the tail end of August in South Florida. It gets a little hot but the fact that despite that God's sheep know his voice and they're hungry to hear it and so God the great shepherd brings his sheep to where his voice is spoken through the preaching and teaching of his word and so it's my hope and prayer today that as we all sit out here and as we've heard the preaching and teaching of God's word thus far through the reading of Scripture, through prayer, through singing of songs and hymns and psalms, that even as we spend time in the book of James, that we would continue to be fed, that our hearts and our minds would well up with joy at the work that God is doing amongst his people. It can be very discouraging uh, whenever we turn on the news, whenever we read posts on social media. Whenever you simply just look around you as you're in the grocery store or in the workplace and just seeing the trajectory that the world seems to be headed in. But as I was sharing with Eric earlier this morning, we have hope because of Jesus Christ. That our hope does not lie in the temporal circumstances of the world and the things that we view around us and the trajectory that things seem to be going in. For those of us that are familiar with history, and for those of us that aren't, I encourage you to be, there's the the reality that history repeats itself. As the author of Ecclesiastes says, there's nothing new under the sun. And so the reality is that what we're seeing today is nothing new, and it certainly isn't taking God by surprise. That God authored all things. He spoke all things to existence. All of time existed in his mind before he spoke anything into existence, and he knows how things started, and he knows how things are going to culminate. I won't say how things end, because the reality, it never ends. Whether we like it or not, we're eternal beings, and we will always exist in eternity, either in the blessed presence of our Lord and Savior, or isolated from that, which none of us can grasp the reality, the bleakness, the depths of despair that that'll bring, because the reality is God in his kindness shows his grace upon both the believer and the unbeliever. So I know this is kind of a long-winded introduction, but as I sit back there and I see the body of Christ growing, and I know that I have the opportunity to come up here and be a steward of God's word, uh, one, there's a joy that wells up in my heart to be able to steward God's word to his people. On the other hand, there is an anxiety that wells up in me because I know myself. Just like Romans 7 where Paul is going on about how he he knows the things that he should do but doesn't do those things, that he does the things that he knows he should not do rather than the things that he should do. And ultimately it culminates in him crying out, in my words, woe is me. What am I gonna do? And he acknowledges but Jesus Christ. So I can have peace of mind knowing that I'm a finite person, that I'm sinful, I certainly am not perfect, and everything that I'm gonna share with you all I'm preaching to the choir. It's equally as applicable to myself, but I think God despite myself, through his spirit, will allow the preaching and teaching of his word to go forth and impact our lives. So before we get into the text, if you all will join me in prayer. I would appreciate that. God, I thank you for the opportunity to sit outside, Lord, and one, be able to witness the way that you've revealed yourself through the things that you've made, Lord. As we look around at the trees and the grass, the birds of the air, the flowers of the field, Lord, you have revealed yourself that your truth, your goodness, and your beauty is manifest in the things that you've made. But, Lord, we acknowledge that that will only take us so far, Lord, that ultimately we need the truth of your word. We need the gospel as revealed through your word to be spoken, Lord, so that hearts may be changed, that the reality of your truth, beauty, and goodness manifests itself in the person and work of Jesus Christ, Lord. So I pray that our hard hearts Though perhaps not intentionally, Lord, our hearts are hard because of sin. That you would use this time to soften them, Lord. Whether we remain dead in our sin, Lord, or we are in Christ, but Lord, our hearts grow cold because of the sin nature we still struggle with. I pray that you would cast that off, Lord, and through your spirit, that you would bring us from death to life, that you would awaken our dull hearts and our dull minds to the reality, Lord, of who you are. I pray that you would allow what I speak today not be spoken as, as dead words, but as reality spoken to the reality that we live in, Lord. So I pray that you would have your way despite myself, that you would be glorified, and that, Lord, we would live in response to the truth of your word. We thank you. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. So as I said last time, I had the opportunity to preach. I preached through James 1, 1 through 18, and I'd like to pick up with those verses. I'm going to read through all of James chapter 1, just for those of us that were here last time, just to get the context in our mind, and then we'll pick up with the following verses. So I'm going to be reading through the English Standard Version, James chapter 1. James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ to the twelve tribes in the dispersion. Greetings. Count it all joy, my brothers, For that person must not suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. Let the lowly brother boast in his exaltation and the rich in his humiliation, because like the flower of the grass he will pass away. For the sun rises with the scorching heat and withers the grass, and its flower falls and its beauty perishes. So also will the rich man fade away in the midst of his pursuits. Blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial, Do not be deceived, my beloved brothers. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above coming down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. Of his own will he brought us forth by the word of truth that we should be a kind of firstfruits of his creatures. Know this, my beloved brothers. Let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger, Religion that is pure and, done and defiled before God the Father is to visit orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained from the world. God, again, I just pray that you would help us as we work through James chapter 1, Lord, to just understand your word as you would have us understand it and therefore rightly apply it to our lives, Lord we thank you that your word is living and active that time holds no bearing on it and so i pray that you would just quicken our hearts to learn in jesus name amen so just to do a brief recap and i will try to be brief i can't help but whenever i start to dig in i I just want i want everything in context and though i've walked through these initial verses it's like there's so much there and i don't want anybody to miss it but We're finite beings, and time has bearing on us, so I I won't be long-winded. But just to recap, verses 1 through 18, James, the brother of Jesus, is the one writing this letter to the church that has been dispersed because of persecution. Both the the Jews and the Gentiles, due to Rome and due to uh, Jewish authorities, have been persecuting Christians, and therefore they have been spread abroad, which is really the culmination and the fulfillment of what God told the disciples to go therefore unto all the nations and to spread the gospel that God used and uses persecution, suffering, hardship, as James puts it, trials in our lives to fulfill his purpose. And so James is writing this letter to encourage these believers, to guide them, to shepherd them in the midst of these trials that they are facing. And he's reminding them, to not place their hope on their temporal circumstances, whatever that may be, positive in the, the riches, the prosperity that God has given them, or to the lowly state they find themselves in because of the hardship they're facing, that their their hope is not based on their circumstances, their surrounding, but their hope is based in the character of God as he has revealed himself, as has culminated in the person and work of Jesus Christ, they find hope because Christ is our hope, that Christ is the one that is going before them and providing for them. God is the one that, despite their testing, is the one helping them to remain steadfast and to persevere. And so James is admonishing the church, both then and now, to not derive your hope on your circumstances, but on the work of God as he has revealed himself through his word. And that is where we turn today, is to be reminded of the need for God's word. As I was studying this, John MacArthur put it in his commentary on these passages, helpfully, that these verses in chapter 1 really present three tests, so to speak, three barometers for believers to evaluate their walk with the Lord. He says in 1 through 12 is one of the tests that we have, one of the litmus tests we can look at at our walk with the Lord is our response to trials. How do we respond to the trials and the testing that we face in our life? Are we, we walking as ones that have hope in the, the, the work of, of Jesus Christ? Or are we ones that are basing our hope on our temporal circumstances? Verses 13 through 18 show their response, our response to temptation. How are we responding to the temptation we find in our lives? Are we blaming God for this temptation? Are we blaming Satan for our temptation? James makes it very clear in these initial verses. In verse 14, he says, But each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. That our temptation oftentimes arises out of our own sin nature. That's at least the platform for testing to take place. And ultimately, temptation takes place at the hand of sin and, and, and the work of, of Satan, but God allows that, just as he did in Job's life, to test us, to purify us, to sanctify us. And so we can see how are we respond to temptation. Is our response in line with the character of God as he's revealed himself through his word, or again, is it based on our circumstance, pointing blame? Lastly, verses 19 through 27 their response, our response to the truth revealed in God's Word. And that's where we're going to be spending most of our time, is it's really helpful to understand the context of James is constantly pointing the church back to God's Word. And we need to remember for the church at that time, that would have largely been found in the Old Testament, that the apostles are pointing the church back to Scripture and the work of Jesus Christ, as revealed in the Old Testament, they had a certain understanding, and I won't get into the weeds here. Of, of that, the, the 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 epistles that were being excuse me being written at that time were also God's word. That they, they affirm that Paul's writings are the same as the Old Testament scriptures, and so there's this hope found in there. That and so we need to be spending time in God's word. We need to understand James is admonishing the church to turn to God's word for hope. In the midst of these circuits that we're finding ourselves in. So specifically I'm going to read verses 19 through 21 because that's where I'd like to spend our time today. James picks up on what he has said as far as the the testing and the the suffering and the perseverance that we're to, to be facing. He says, know this. So because of all of that, know this. My beloved brothers, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger, for the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Therefore, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness, and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. So, as I kind of called out here, James says, Because of everything that I've just said, you need to know this. And the original language really paints it more in a a light of because you already know this, that the the church at that time should be aware of what it is that James is encouraging them because of their immersion in the church and the preaching and teaching of God's word and what the apostles have, have taught them and sought to disciple them and they should be aware of these truths. But James doesn't simply bring this charge in a, a, a cold-hearted, stern, kind of coming down on know this, this legalistic imposing of, but the comma after know this, my beloved brothers. There's this pastoral, this heartfelt warmth, this sincere care that James has to those that he's writing this letter. His heart grieves with them in the circumstances they find themselves in and is trying to encourage them, know this. I love you, I know it's difficult, but know this, there is hope for you. James encourages them that they are to find hope in this and to to find a joy in the midst of this. He says, let every person... Every person is pretty all-encompassing. There's no person that's left outside of every person. I know that seems pretty straightforward, but there's often times where we can read these things and 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 say whether consciously or subconsciously, that may be true for Jonathan, that may be true for Rachel, that may be true for Camilla, but it's not true for me. Because I, I have a hard time with that. I I don't understand that. God just didn't make me that way. Or that person has that gift and I don't. But James here is saying, no, 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 no. There's no person excluded from this. The reality of what I'm about to say is all-encompassing. Nobody is exempt from it. And both the hope that is communicated through this and the command that is communicated through this, the responsibility that is communicated through this, nobody is exempt from that. So what is it that James is wanting us to find hope in? What is it he's telling every person? He's telling them to be quick to hear and slow to speak and slow to anger. What does that mean? I mean, on, on the one hand, we take that at face value, and it, it's really relatively straightforward. We need to be quick to hear, quick to listen, slow to speak, don't open your mouth so fast, and slow to become angry. Don't, don't get angry. But it, it kind of seems disconjointed from the rest of the context that we can read James, and it kind of seems like he's going almost verse by verse, almost like the Proverbs of like, Here's a thought, here's a thought, here's a thought, here's a thought, and it seems disconjointed. But the reality is we're going to jump down to verse 21, and there's a thread that ties all of this together, both verses 19 through 21, all of chapter 1, all of the James, and all of Scripture. And so in verse 21, if you'll jump ahead with me, he says, Therefore put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness, and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. What is this implanted word? I'll get into this more, but quite simply, it is the gospel. The gospel, God's word, is the thread that ties all of this together. So let's keep that in mind. I'll come back to the details of that. But James is saying, know this, because you know this about God's word, my beloved brother, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to be angry. Quick to hear what? God's word. Slow to speak what? God's word. Slow to become angry. Slow to anger over what? God's word. That's what James is admonishing these believers. Is There's the, the straightforward application of that, and then there's the deeper application of that centered around the word of God. Romans 10.17 says, So faith comes from hearing, and hearing through the word of Christ. This is what James is admonishing them. Let's be quick to hear, quick to hear the word of Christ because that is where everything that was said before and the preceding verses, you find hope in the character of God where you learn theology. Theology is simply the teaching of who God is. God's word helps us teach and understand who God is and therefore our lives can form to that truth <coughs> whether we like it or not everybody is a theologian everybody has a belief about God whether they are professing, professing atheist, whether they're a Christian whether they're a uh, Muslim whether they're a pantheist, what to call it there is a belief about who God is and either it's right or it's wrong in order for us to rightly understand who God is and therefore have our lives conform to that We need to spend time hearing God's word. And the reason why hearing precedes speaking or reacting is because we need time to process that. We need time to wrestle that. We need time for God's word to not only resonate cognitively in our mind, but ultimately sink down into our heart because the reality is God has created man to be a holistic being. We're not simply bobbleheads walking around with a big old head a big old brain on a tiny little body and everything is meant to be intellectually received we don't simply learn through the implanting of words and phrases and memorization that ultimately for us to truly learn what we've cognitively processed intellectually received needs to sink into our hearts and resonate with our beings it needs to be manifest in our gut where we react out of that, not simply head knowledge. We need heart knowledge. But you cannot have heart knowledge without first having it in your head. And so James is saying you need to hear. You need to process. You need to be slow to speak so you can process. And then when you do speak, you speak out of what has manifested itself in you. The implanted word, not simply Stephen's finite man centered wisdom that I just hope is on the right mark. How often do we do that? Just like Pastor Eric was saying, we give counsel all the time. How often do we slow down and make sure prayerfully through that what we're speaking is truth. Now we can't always in the midst of a moment you have a friend that is on the phone with you or face-to-face face with you, and they are distraught and broken over the reality of the circumstances they're faced, whether they a loss of a loved one, whether a young person that has just had their heart broken over this person that they thought was their one true love, whether it's the person dealing with depression and struggling their purpose in life. We can't always focus on the negative. Whether it's the person that's caught up in sin, and in their eyes they're on this mountaintop of everything is awesome, to quote the lego song but the reality is everything is not awesome that you see in their life this blaring contradiction that is going to cause them to stumble how often do we flippantly give counsel we need to speak a fit word in season and out of season but we need to have god's word so saturated in our lives that when we speak when we're quick to hear we slow down we reflect we pray quickly and we speak or there's times where we simply need to say in a moment i don't know i hear you i would like to speak to that can you give me a day or two can we meet again in a week to discuss this rather than just flippantly speaking so there's there's a both and be able to respond quickly and therefore you need to be prepared in season and out of season but there's also a time to slow down and circle back around with so you speak out of the reality of what God would have spoken to the situation he's gracious but we also need to be good stewards of what it is that God has entrusted us to so we need to be slow to speak because we can't listen if we're speaking if you're now, now there's some people that, that can be guilty of um, interjecting a person hasn't completed a thought and they're already starting to say something. So those people, slow down. Let somebody finish their thought. I think more often though, we can be guilty of somebody speaking and our mouth may be closed. We may smile and nod, but the reality is winking about what we're going to speak. I'm preaching to the choir here. I struggle with this. Part of it, I want to help people. I think a lot of times it's out of a good heart mode if somebody says something and you latch on to that because there's something that comes to mind that you think could be helpful and you want to speak to that. But before you know it, they've been speaking for another minute or five or 10 and you're still focused on this thing that they said five minutes ago because you're so fixated on it. Where there's people, Pastor Jim's, I don't mean to put you on the spot, there's other people that have this gift of just being slow And you can tell they're really listening. They're really processing what's being said. There's certain people I look around and I think those people have that gift. Some of us struggle with that, and that's okay. But we need to seek to cultivate that, to actually listen and allow the Lord to shepherd what it is we're going to speak in that moment, not think, this is what it is. This is what they need to hear. But allow God to help us walk through that. And it takes time. It takes effort practice. But we need to be sure that thinking is not on our mind. Speaking is not on our mind and not on our lips, but that we are hearing, especially when it comes to God's Word. Okay. So that brings me to my next thought. We cannot listen when speaking is on our minds. This sounds like what I just said, but what I mean is daydreaming. Our thoughts, our mind is speaking to us. It's not necessarily how we're going to respond in a conversation. But our minds go on rabbit trails. And it's hard to rein it in. I have five children, seven and under. I sit back there and I see what they're doing and my mind drifts. Oftentimes to what my kids are doing. And I'm missing what's being spoken up here. But is, is it, do I blame my children? No, it's a discipline I need to cultivate in myself to be able to focus on what's important at that time and to be able to weed through what my kid's doing, or what the, the pileated woodpecker is doing last week, or whatever may be going on around us. Is that really important, or do I need to tune in and discipline myself to focus on the hearing of God's word? So there's, there's, a, there's a, a plethora of angles we could look at it, but we need to be quick to hear, slow to speak. Speaking is a rather encompassing term, not just simply the talking of our mouths. Proverbs 15, 23 says, To make an apt answer in a, is a, to a man, and a word in season, how good it is. Thoughtful speaking goes hand in hand with listening. The things worth listening to are thoughtful words that we need to have a fit word. There's another Proverbs, I can't recall what it is, but it's something to the effect of, I'm going to paraphrase it, I'm not great at memorizing Scripture, but it's something to the effect of um, a fit word is like a golden apple in a setting of silver. It's something like that. You kind of get this word picture of this ornamental golden apple set in silver. It's this beautiful thing, and the, the, the author of Proverbs is likening that to speak appropriately, and so I say that to be slow to speak in order to speak a fit word that is in line with what you've heard, whether that's reading or been heard through preaching in God's word. Okay, so then we, we jump ahead. Hang on, my pages have been blowing in the wind. I'm sorry, I'm totally... Here we go. Okay, here we go. Verse 20. Now, verse 19. Let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. So this next idea of anger, it, quick to hear and slow to speak, those, those kind of go hand in hand. Well, slow to anger, what does that mean? In, in our, our present-day context, we quickly associate anger with, like, with rage, frustration, hot-headedness, however you want to word it. I know all of you know when I say anger, there's, a, there's something that comes to mind that we think of when it comes to that. So there's a reality in that sense that James is referring to that we can become angry over the thing heard in God's word or we had in word. Perhaps is in our life that is not in conformity to the reality of God's word and this thing is being exposed to us through God's word and we don't agree with that. I don't want that to be true. I want this, not that. But my heart says this is okay. My feelings say this is okay. My friends say this is okay. For some of us that come from various churches, perhaps my pastor from before said this is okay. But what does God's word say? That is our ultimate standard, and there's times where God's word gives us the wrong way because there's an area in our life that needs to be reformed, to turn away from the direction you've headed, and align it with the quality of God's word. And we can become angry over it, become frustrated over that. But we need to allow God to have his way in our life to conform that because the reality is that conformity to the truth of God's word is the best thing for us. Not whatever this fleeting thing is that we would prefer to have. James is also helping us understand that this anger is one example of what I'll say human passions. And by passions, I don't mean like loving. I mean like an emotional, like a, a strong feeling in response to. James says in chapter 4, verses 1 through 2, What causes quarrels and what causes fights among you? Is it not this, that your passion will war you? you desire and do not have so you murder you covet and you cannot obtain so you fight and quarrel you do not have because you do not ask certain verses in Proverbs I would have us turn there and read the whole thing but for the sake of time I'll just call out a few verses verses 1 through 2 of Proverbs 15 a soft answer turns away wrath but a harsh word stirs up anger the tongue of the wise commends knowledge but the mouth of fools pours out folly verse 18 a hot tempered man stirs up strife but he is slow to anger quiets contention verse 28 the heart of a righteous ponders the heart of the righteous ponders how to answer but the mouth of the wicked evil things our anger our passions can cause us to be quick to speak and slow to because this is how we want to respond as i said a moment ago but this but this this is how i feel our passions are saying one thing but we need to slow down And subdue those passions and make sure they're in line with the reality of what God says. So there's a negative sense in which our anger, our passions can get a hold of us. Where we can be angry over being confronted with God's word. And we need to slow down and allow that to take place in our lives in a right way. But I'll flip that. There's also a way in our zealous passions, our righteous passions, can also fit in this context and have negative implications. There's, there's a, a, a saying, it's not as popular now as it be, like in the, probably the 2000s. Um, but whenever the Reformed tradition, Calvinism, whatever you want to call it, I just call it rightly understanding the gospel, was, was very prevalent in people understanding people's sin nature and God's sovereignty and response to that and salvation and so forth. There was this term called the cage stage. And what the cage stage referred to is people who were interested to reform theology, the tool up, whatever you want to call it, total depravity. I don't even need to go through all of them. Most of us are aware of it, but God's sovereignty unto salvation. People would be wake wake up to that reality. My salvation depended on me. I'm not the one. <coughs> <coughs> one moment, please. i'm not the one that chose god god chose me i was dead in sin i was not merely drowning and i needed a life savior i was at the bottom of the ocean with the little fishies nibbling at my decaying flesh sorry for a vivid word picture but that's the reality of where we are in sin and god in his kindness reached down and pulled me up from death to life in his kindness and therefore, when people are awakened to that reality of sin nature, thank you very much, cannot choose God but is opposed to God. There is none righteous, no, not one. No one seeks after God. And God, in His kindness, decided to intervene on that and pull me from death to life. They are excited. They are zealous for that. They want all their friends and their family members. They need everybody to know this is the gospel this is what jesus christ has done for us that christ and his love made us to be reconciled to god and it's not of my own works but a gift of christ they end up in this stage and they're they're going around to all their friends church and their family members believers telling you're wrong you're wrong You didn't choose God. God chose you. You were dead. God saved you. They're going on about this. and, And their zealousness for God, their joy at the reality of the gospel, they are speaking truth in a way that is causing vision. Sometimes that needs to happen. People need to be confronted with the hard things of Scripture. However, we as believers are called to be tactful, to be patient. We are to respond to the realities of who God is in line with the character of who God is as he's revealed himself in his word. And so when we seek to speak truth, we need to make sure that we are communicating truth that's in line with the character of God. Where do we learn what's in line with the character of God? Through his word. Uh, it's, it's a circle. I, could, I mean, I'm pretty much just saying the same thing over and over again it's important for us to understand that. so my point is and to move ahead we need to be quick to hear god's word speak don't think about what you want to say don't speak slow down process and slow to anger our passions good or bad make sure all of that is in line with what you were quick to hear through god's word Man centered anger produced the righteousness of God. Moving forward in verse 20, for the anger of man, passions of man, the wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Okay? So, what does produce the righteousness of God? Everything James has said beforehand. For us to remain steadfast in the midst of trials because of who God is. To endure testing and receive the crown of life through sanctifying process because of being in line with God's word and his character that ultimately we need to have our righteousness cultivated through the way that God does in our lives as he reveals through his word and submitting to that. Verses 2 through 4 of chapter 1. Count it all joy when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, complete, lacking in nothing. Verse 6. But let him ask in faith when he goes to God. Well, man who remains steadfast under trial, for when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life, which God has promised to those who love him. Verse 19. Know this, my beloved brothers. Let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. James is outlining what produces the righteousness of God. It's these very practically applicable things that he's been speaking to. That's what produces the righteousness of God. Being a genuine hearer of God's word and a doer by being slow to speak in anger is what cultivates the righteousness in God's word. What kind of makes it difficult because you really need to think in context. But if you remember from us reading all of chapter one and verse 22, James goes on to say, but be doers of the word. So we hear and then we do. And it's that that marriage of the two. It's not a dichotomy. The marriage of that produces this righteousness and is rightly applying what it is that we've heard through the truth of God's word. Acting in accord with the truth of God and his word produces the righteousness of God. This is what James is trying to teach. A true believer should seek to orient himself with God's goodness and beauty, not his or her own interpretation. Verse 21. therefore, I feel like every time the pastors get up here and we get to that word, therefore, we have to say this. What is that therefore, therefore, because of all of this, now that, all right? So get on that band. What is that therefore? It's fun to say. All right. Because of all of that, what we read in verse already, the implanted word. Remember, this letter is written to the church. They are believers because of that reality. Put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. Again, the original context really kind of paints this picture. Because all of this is already present in your life, you are a believer, brother, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word. Well, what is this filthiness and rampant wickedness? What referred to here? Ultimately, we could get into the details of perhaps what was going on within the context of the particular churches that this letter was circulating amongst. But the reality is, it's our sin nature. Our old sin nature, our old self, is what reveled in this rampant wickedness and filthiness. And this is what James is telling us to put away. As Ephesians says, put off Ephesians 4, 22 through 24 reads, put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds and to put on the new self created after the likeness of God and true righteousness and holiness Colossians 3, 8 through 10, but now you must put them all away anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. Do not want another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in the no- in knowledge after the of its creation. That's what's being referred to here as our old sin nature. Because, believer, you've been born again, don't look like your former manner of life. Don't respond in sin to being confronted with the reality of God's Word, which was the very thing, by the way, that you from death to life. If it has the power to such an amazing work as bringing you from spiritual death to spiritual life, know that whatever you're being confronted with, is the best thing for you. Submit to that. Count it all joy when you face those trials and let that thing produce steadfastness in your life so that you may have the crown of life, eternal life. You may live in com- with God, your creator. So this implanted word, as I've said, is the gospel. Gospel is a gift, and we must receive it with meekness, as James says here. What is meekness? It's, it's Essentially, it's humility. Receive it with humility. Receive the implant with humility, not with pride i chose this i caused you stand before god and said i'm here because of what i did but no, by grace you have been saved through faith it is a gift of god not of works lest any man should boast that this implanted word was implanted in your heart by the gracious gift of god so therefore receive it with humility this reception of it is not a one and done but you 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 life and a constant receiving of the gospel Put it another way, we need to hear the gospel daily. We need to preach the gospel to ourselves daily. We need to be reminded of the gospel, the entirety of God's word, the reality of realities as found in God's word daily because we forget. So this humility, this meekness is something we need to receive on a regular basis. So both believers and unbelievers need to hear the gospel. And I'd say in some respects, us as believers may need to hear it a little bit more because we already know the truth. We forget it, and we need to be of the truth. Our lives need to model that. So in summary, the reality of who God is and what he has accomplished is what enables believers to remain steadfast. We need what God has done and who he is. This enables us to remain steadfast, to persevere, to count it joy in the midst of trials. As verse 19 states, these are the things that we should know. Know this. And we come to know by understanding, hearing the word of God. The Bible is how God chooses to reveal himself to mankind. There's no other way, ultimately, that God reveals himself. Can God work through means? Can God work through means? Absolutely. But how do we evaluate those means that we feel that God is revealing himself through? Through his word. All believers need to hear the scriptures and then live in obedience submission to that truth. John MacArthur quotes, We have been saved justified through the power of the word of God we are kept saved sanctified through the power of the of of God's word and we will ultimately completely and eternally be saved glorified through the power of God's word it is God's word that enables us to hold fast therefore we need to be quick to hear it slow to speak, whether that's in response to being confronted with it or to speak the truth of God's word, process it, and don't allow our passions to get in the way, whether zealous or, I don't know if this is a word, unzealous, but make sure it's in line with the of God, and therefore model your lives after that rightly. Let me close this with a word of prayer. God, I thank you ultimately just for the reality in these these days. There's so much to be said. And Lord, ultimately, I pray that your spirit will have moved, Lord, for us to hear of what you want us to hear. The reality that we need to read the Bible, we, we need to spend time in the Bible and not merely raking the leaves, skimming the pages, Lord, but, but digging into it, both and, Lord. We need to know the entirety of your word and then dig into your word so it may sink down into our hearts, not simply in our heads, and we can live in response to that, Lord. So I pray that you, through your grace and mercy, would enable us to do that, Lord, to have good stewardship of this gift you've given us in your word, the gift you've given us in Jesus Christ, Lord, and you would continue that sanctum work in our lives, Lord. And for any that may be here in sin, Lord, that the reality of who you are and the work you've placed in Jesus Christ would, would bring them from death to life, Lord, that they would taste and see that you are good, Lord. So I pray that you would have your way in our lives as we start this new week, Lord, celebrating this Lord's Day and all the things ahead of us, Lord, that we would preach the gospel to ourselves daily. We would be reminded by your grace the reality of your reality, how you did all things, and your plan and purpose is, is what is being wrought in our lives, Lord, and we would come in submission to that, Lord, and walk in step with you and not in rebellion. We're grateful for you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
1: Uh, Let's finish out our time together with with, uh, It Was Finished. Death was once my great opponent, fear once had a hold on me, but the Son who died to save us rose that we would be free. Upon that cross, onward to eternal glory to my Savior and God. I rejoice in Jesus' victory, it was been upon.
5: Listen to these words again as we close. Death is dead, and Christ is risen. It was finished upon that cross. Amen? That's. All. May God bless you, and may God keep you, and may God cause his face to shine upon you, and may God open your eyes to see his glory. Let us pray together. Father, what can we say? Thank you. It's an amazing reality that you would save anyone and that you would send your son to die for us. We thank you for taking our place. We thank you for giving us new life. God, we thank you for all that you do for us and then you've given us your word to guide us. God Truly, what else do we need? You are our all-sufficient God, our all-sufficient Savior. Father, may we look to you for all things in this life. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. All right. Family.